John 7, 37 to 39, the promise, the purpose, and the flow of the Spirit. On the last and greatest day of the Festival of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Consider these two questions. Does the riverbed of your soul, of your inner person, feel full? And if so, what is it full of? Does the riverbed of your inner person feel full? And if so, what does it feel full of? Many of us don't feel full inside. Many of us feel dry and dehydrated, parched in our own spirits, like we have nothing to give. Or if we try to give any more, we're afraid that the ground is just going to crack open and we're going to be swallowed to the depths of the earth. There might be an occasional shower that comes to us and connects with us. And yet we find a moment later the broken cistern of our lives has drained anything substantial from us before we could let it soak in. Many of us do feel full, but not with anything life-giving. There is salt water of confusion and self-image, sludge of bitterness or discord, muck of busyness or laziness. All of these things have us struggling just to keep our head above the water, and perhaps we even feel as though we are drowning and suffocating in these weights. Jesus here speaks simply and directly to us. If you are thirsty for genuine water, life-giving water, come and drink of me. I am the one that can mend the cistern of your life and fill your riverbed with goodness. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow out from within them. Many of us do feel full of God's goodness and the water of Jesus that is flowing in us. And yet, there is something missing, something wrong, something off, something that just seems out of place. Could it be that we are hoarding the Spirit of God within us? Could it be that we are hoarding the Spirit of God within us? The rivers of living water that are within are meant to flow out of us. The Spirit of God is for us personally, but the Spirit of God is also not just for us personally. Just as we need to be open and intentional to receive the Spirit, so I would suggest that we need to be open and intentional in the release of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit within us does not take away our free will. The judges and leaders of Israel had the Spirit upon them, and yet they didn't always obey or walk faithfully in the wisdom of God. In fact, they did some pretty horrendous things. There is a needed cooperation between the child of God and the Spirit of God to exercise love and self-control, joy and meekness, peace and kindness, patience and goodness. So could we be hoarding the Spirit of God just for ourselves? And that's what feels off. Remember that the story of the Spirit in the church doesn't end in Acts 2. It continues in Acts 3 and all throughout the rest of Christian history, both Scripture and after the canon was closed. The exiles that were gathered there for the festival were scattered back out in every direction, but this time with the spirit within them. And they went to their homes to help create God's home in those places. Long before the apostles started planting churches, those filled with the spirit 
were tilling the spiritual soil of their hometowns. By this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit was not yet, because since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On the back of your bulletins, you'll see this quote by uh, scholar N.T. Wright. He says this, If Jesus is the living temple, calling us to become temples of the Spirit and cleansing us so that we are able to receive the Spirit, the point is is that he wants, through us, to flood the whole world with his love and power and glory. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That is the promise. And the call to you, church, and to me is not to be a stagnant lake, however beautiful, but to be the place where the spirit which fills, which fills will then flow out to the world around us. On the cross, Jesus gave up his spirit, as Matt read. He gave up his spirit. He released his spirit. He died. Then, through the resurrection and ascension and glorification, he sent his spirit. In the same way, we are called to a type of redemptive death in our lives for the sake of life, as we are these mobile homes of God's spirit ever going forward towards new creation. N.T. Wright continues, The Feast of Pentecost, which we're celebrating today, is therefore a time not of celebration, but of vocation. The scripture which Jesus refers to in John 7 is almost certainly the promise in the final chapters of Ezekiel that the renewed temple will be a place from which a great river flows out to irrigate the surrounding countryside. That is how it reappears in the majestic scene of the last chapter of Revelation, which Kelly read where the river of the water of life flows out of the new Jerusalem into the surrounding country, with the tree of life growing on both banks and the leaves of the tree being for the healing of the nations. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the longevity of your story and how you didn't just dream up the Spirit, but that Holy Spirit You've always been here. And we also recognize and are thankful for the story and the progress of the story and what happened in the upper room in Acts 2. And God, we ask today that on May 20th, 2018, that you would refresh us with your spirit, God. Not in a secular way that just attributes it to this or that and not into the superstitious way, God, but your actual spirit supernaturally infused in us. And God, may we be people that would release the spirit. And that when we don't release the spirit, when we hoard the spirit, may we be people that repent from that. And God, as we are dry, help us to confess that dehydration Help us to confess that we have drank from other wells that are not you, Jesus. And help us to have faith, Holy Spirit, that Jesus, you are the only way, the truth, the life, the only thing that will satisfy us ultimately, God, and give us hope for the future and that great and glorious day of all things being renewed. Help us now in the messiness of life to be a people that leave, that are scattered from here with your spirit, 
within them that go and love you in devotion and direction, that go and love our neighbor even when it hurts God. Thank you for your spirit, for the stream of living water that is within us. Help us to believe and walk in that truth, God. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, amen. Earlier in the later part of the week, uh, I was trying to figure out, um, I was trying to listen as far, you can, everybody can have a seat, sorry. I was trying to listen to uh, about the school shooting that happened and how, um, how is this fitting in with what we're talking about? How is the Spirit uh, want us to intercede or to think about all of this? But I, I wasn't settled and I wasn't rested in, like, where does it go in the service? Um, and then uh, somebody had it later in their heart that we need to pray and intercede uh, for that situation where um, it's so evident that the life-giving waters are not flowing. And this is just one situation. We're not turning a blind eye as we talk about the goodness of God to the exiled nature of our world right now. But we also look forward in hope that informs our present day of the grace and the mercy and the truth and love of Christ. So I'm going to ask the Helms to come up. Um, Daniel is a school teacher. It was laid on his heart. And uh, if uh, Michael Ann or Daniel, if you would just lead us in a point of prayer and intercession, and we'll close after that. Spirit of God, how vital it is for us to sit together to speak what is true to one another about what lives inside of us. If what we're saying is true, this is the healing leaves that heal the nation within our hands. Our tongues carry that healing balm. When we make eye contact with others, it's your eyes loving that person. It's so evident that we live in a world of brokenness, of distance, of constant fragmentation in every aspect of your creation. And if what we're saying is true, your spirit living in each of us is the tool that brings your kingdom, that brings your healing, that actually will spread love. If your resurrection is true, then your spirit is a gift of life that flows from a never-ending fountain. So why can't we live that? We're saying it's true. And we see in Christ the perfect walk toward death. And God, inspire us by that. Inspire us to walk toward our own death so that we can actually extend our hand to love. So that we can actually speak words of life 
instead of death. This is the challenge. This is the hardest thing to do is to lay aside our life to love those people that are right in front of us. I'm remembering Jay's sermon about violence and how he challenged us. There is no other balm that will heal the wounds of those walking around with guns and those walking around with other things that kill. It is your words, it's your spirit, and it's your love. That is the tool that is the remedy for all of this separateness that brings us all together as one. One creation and unity. And it's not just so that we can sit here together today to say to each other for our own comfort that we're filled with the Spirit. But it is our vocation to take the next step. Inspire us. Every moment to heed your call. It's essential. It is the difference between life and death every day. Just inspire us, Lord. You're so good. You have so much to offer. And it's true. And we give you glory. We exalt you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we gather as one. And it's in Jesus' name that we move and offer life. Amen. A picture of this Christ from Isaiah 11 and what he brings. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, And with the breath of his lips, he shall make the wicked no more. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And then it goes in to talk about what the land is going to be like, that it's not going to be a land filled with violence. And it uses these metaphors of different animals that would be, um, you know, predator and prey. And it says no more. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together they shall be, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra, don't recommend that now, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Pentecost is about the flow of the Spirit. Not about the hoarding of the Spirit, because we go back to what Jesus has said as he promised us the Spirit and the purpose of that Spirit. So remember that as we go out today, we don't hoard the Spirit, but we extend ourselves in truth and in love. 
and we repent when we do things wrong. And we're on this journey together. But we don't turn a blind eye to um, the will that we have control over as we follow the will of God.